Amen. God's good. His kingdom is moving forward and nothing's stopping it. That's good. If you got your Bibles today, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. The title of this morning's message is The Way of the Cross, part of our Words in Red series. And if you would just join me with a, a word of prayer over the message and our response today as we look into His Word. Father God, over these next few moments as we just apply Your Word to our life, Father, I pray You would still my mind, still this, our minds, God, that You would open up our ears to hear what You are saying in Your Word, that Your Word is always relevant, it's always on time, it's always true, God, and that we would take it to heart. Father, that we would apply it and live it out, that we would hear and walk in it, God, obeying it. And Lord, even if it's hard, and maybe there's things that we are not willing to hear, maybe there's walls that we don't even know that we have up in our lives, God, that there might be things that you want to reveal to us today that we might need to purposefully prepare our hearts to hear. And so, Father, myself included, God, I pray you would open up any door of my heart that you want to speak into, God, that you would clean out any room, God, that you want to clean out and rearrange the furniture of my heart, God, if that's so be it. Father, I just pray your will to be done as we read your word together. And somebody said, amen. amen. Hope you meant that today. And we're going to continue in our discussion of Matthew chapter 16. And the Lord is leading us to talk about the way of the cross. I was thinking about it and Truly, the most difficult and controversial topic is not gay marriage or premarital sex or divorce or the sliding gray areas that we see, uh, the rising gray areas that we see in our country today. But really, all of that boils down to one issue, the cross. The cross is the thing that, that is going to take us all either into glory or it's going to be the thing that condemns us into hell. The cross is the thing on which all of the issues, every issue can be solved by placing it on the cross. And whether it be, I don't want to do this or do that, or you could say, well, it's about homosexuality, or it's about gambling, or it's about teen uh, sex, or it's about all this. If everyone would just focus on the cross, that's what we're all about. That's what it's all about today. So, upon the cross, all issues of man die, and the soul is saved. And I want to kind of bring you into the context of Matthew chapter 16. And we mentioned it last week. Those of you who were were here last week, we talked about uh, Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus has found himself in the region of Caesarea Philippi, around a place uh, that is pagan. And it's in this town, in this little pagan town, very Hellenized Greek town, is a cave of the god of Pan. And the Jews thought this cave, or was spoken of this cave, to be the gates of hell. And that's what it was worshipped as by the uh, Greek uh, cults. And so they would sacrifice things to this demonic god. But more than that, the context of the whole first century that Jesus has found himself in is one that is of moral corruption, full of compromise, and the culture has appeared on the scene in a radical, fast-paced change. I mean... Rome is in an upheaval of changing things, and they've got a, uh, a, a guy by the name of Herod, and Herod has some bad sons, and the priesthood is all corrupted, and they're being paid off by bribes, and Rome is appointing all these priests. And so it is just a very not good day to be a good salt-of-the-earth Christian boy or girl. It is just you are one of the few, kind of like today. And it's a day of 
of depravity and people aren't going to the temple as much as they used to. And they're not making sacrifices than they're used to. And kids don't want to read the scrolls like they used to. And it, this is the day that Jesus lived in. It was a day of sliding gray areas and pagan idolatry. And so here we find Jesus in this place, in this context, and he tells his disciples that he would give them such authority and power that even death and hell itself would not prevail. And the Bible notes, just look at Matthew chapter 16, a few verses up from 24. The Bible and the Gospels note from then on, right here, this is the beginning. From then on, Jesus begins to tell them he is going to go and be crucified, that he's going to suffer, be killed, and raised up on the third day. I think it's very interesting that this moment, in this context, in this culture, at this place, in one of the most pagan Gentile areas of Israel, near the gates of hell, after he's just told them the power that's going to come, how is that power coming? Through the cross. How is the, the answer to the church power and authority coming? It's through the cross. How is God going to restore His kingdom on earth? How is God going to set things back in motion? How is God going to turn the tide on moral corruption and the depravity of man? It's the cross. And He, from then on, begins talking about the cross. And look with me, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. And let's read together uh, the words in red today. If anyone wishes to come after me... Everybody say, if... If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, everybody say Jesus' sake, will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every man according to his deeds. Living in this world, following fleshly desires, standing near the pit of hell, Jesus tells the disciples the power of his cross, the way of his cross. And the way of his cross is every man's victory over death and hell. We're going to talk today that what is the way of the cross, that it is a journey. It's a journey of inward choices that reveal outwardly that we're submitted to the authority of God. And then the final destination is God's glory. So it's a journey about something that we make a decision inwardly that begins to express itself outwardly about submitting my life to the, uh, the uh, sovereign authority of God and where I end up is in God's glory. Do you get that? It's a journey of things that we're talking about inwardly that express themselves outwardly about being under the authority of God and the final destination by doing that on that journey inward then to outward under His authority. The final destination is the very glorious presence of God. And so we're going to talk about three things today. De desire, denial, and death. Desire, denial, and death. What is desire? Jesus, one of your translations probably says, if, if anyone desires to come after me, New American Standard says, if anyone wishes. I like the word desire there. If anyone desires to come after me, what is desire? And what do you and I desire? Because he says, if you desire. If you desire, what do you desire? And what do I desire in my life? And defined, I looked it up in the Hebrew, and desire actually means about, it's a, it's a, 
an emotional thing, but it's about the whole personality. It's, it's the wholeness. There's a wholeness involved in it. And it's a, the request of your soul for something. That's what the Hebrews believed. That it was involving the whole personality, and your whole personality is affected by this request of your soul. And it could be sinful. You think about desire. It, uh, desire could become coveting, which leads to envy and leads to jealousy. And the Hebrews believe this, that if desire was sinful... And if a man or woman gave themselves over to this desire, that it was so bad that this sinful desire so rooted in them would consume them like a fire, but not just there, that it would affect the whole community. So they were really strict that we talk about sin and sin issues in the Old Testament. They were really strict about sin issues. And so why? Because one sin can affect the whole community. And they believe this. You think about these people in the Bible that God killed because one guy and his family took something and buried it under their their tent. Or you talk about Achan. Or you talk about other people who did things they weren't supposed to do. It affected all of God's people. And so desire, if given into, consumes not only me, but it affects those around me and even can affect the whole community, even a whole neighborhood, even a whole city, if a people give over to their desires. Think about it this way. What would happen if the whole world just did what they wanted to do? be a pretty bad place to live in, wouldn't it? If everyone just followed their desires, well, I want this, so I'm going to take it. I like her, so I'm going to go after her. I like that, I'm going to go after that. What if every, think about the natural desire of humanity. Think about who we really are, because we put a lot of makeup on, we go to work, we wear the nice clothes, and we put on the pretty faces, but secretly, deep inside, we are not good. Amen? We know that. We need to come to terms with that, that desire rules us, and it desires to, in in itself, desires to consume us, and you think about it, it comes from even Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. The Bible says that Eve saw the fruit of the forbidden tree and that it was desirable. Began with desire. The fall of man began with desire. And it's the same kind of desirous sin. What would the world be like if we followed our desires? We like to read verses, and I thought of this when I was thinking about Psalms chapter 37. Verse 4 talks about that God will give us the desires of our hearts. And I was thinking, well, wait a minute here. I'm preaching on desire. How's that work? God will give you the... That's not, that doesn't sound biblical, does it? Well, the context of that verse that we so love to quote is this. It says that God will give you the desires of your heart, but you must delight in and commit your way to Him. You must give up. You must stop doing your desires Get to His plan, His purpose, His way. Commit your life, commit your way, and surrender to Him. Basically, get His heart, and then He'll give you your heart. You know, it's, it's that if we give our way to God, we delight in God, and we look to God, God will give us that desire, the things that when we're in the right position, those kind of desires. But the desire we're talking about today, our natural desire it's a strong thing, and it desire, sinful desires try to consume us. And since that garden fruit, our flesh repeatedly falls to this one temptation. That's to be in our own authority of our own lives. To be in authority of my own life. Eve saw the fruit. It was desirable. She took it, and we thought that we could do things better than God, to be like God, to be equal with God, to have things our own way. 
And God has granted you and I this great ability to reign with Him, to be with Him. There's a, a, a way that God has given us true peace, true joy, a life everlasting, abundant life, the overwhelming sense of, of accomplishment in Him to do things in glory and peace and love and to have uh, all the things that we would ever need in our existence. And there's a way to have all that, but it's not in the way of the world. It's in the way of the cross. And so the way of the cross is crucifying our desires. Look with me in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. You can follow with me today. We'll have our verses on the screen. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. What desire do you and I have, really? John says it this way in his letter. He says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is these three things. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. These are not from the Father, but it's from the world. The world's passing away, and also it's lust. And the one who does the will of God lives forever. Those three sins have been talked about for ages, uh, about that those three sins are the sins of the garden, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And really, pride of life, think of it this way, it's, it's we want to do things our own way. We just do. Even from little age, we want to do things our own way, the pride of life and the lust of the eyes. We see attractive things. It's so easy to put attractive, shiny things, we like shiny things, and put them in place of God in our lives. Our priorities, we put those attractive things, things that look good, they're pleasing to the eye. We desire them more than the Word of God. Just like Eve, we see something shiny. Look, I want that, that new promotion, that new job, or I want that car, or I want him or her, or I want those things, that bling bling or whatever. And so I desire it, and then as soon as I look to it, God just kind of is over here to the side. I desire it, and it consumes me, and it gets priority. And the lust of the flesh... That's our physical wants. We feel like we physically want food more than the Word of God. It's just a part of our nature that I feel more hungry every day than I do have the urgent feeling to read this book. Isn't that true? Every day, I want that Subway, or I want that Rick's Pizza, or whatever. I feel an urge, a, a, a carnal thing. It's inside of me. It just naturally desires food. But do I have that same desire to read this? You see, there's just, it's a part of being born into sin. We naturally do not desire the things of God. We naturally, our physical body, our makeup desires things. Our physical wants that we put so often ahead of our spiritual needs. But the Bible says that the one who does the will of God lives forever. Wasn't that the idea in the garden? I want to be like God. I want to be close to God. Let me, oh, that, look at that. Let's take that. And that desire consumed us. And the very thing that we thought we were trying to gain, to live forever with God, we instead lost. And so how can you and I do the will of God today? Except but to deny our own desires to be in authority. I hope you see that today. That it is a carnal, sinful nature that desires to be an authority of your own life. That is not the way you and I were meant to live to be in our own authority over our own life. And it seems so odd to us. It seems so foreign that shouldn't I make my decisions? Shouldn't I decide where I go, what I, what I do, what I buy, what I don't buy, what I wear, what I don't wear, who I'm with, all these things, that, that where I work, 
All these things, we are not meant to be in control of our lives. We're not meant to be in authority. And that desire is from within, birthed out of the sin nature. And so Jesus is hitting it from the very beginning. Those, if you want to follow me, give it up. If you really want to live forever, stop it. If you really want to have that abundant, awesome life, that peace with God, if you really want success in your marriage, if you really want to have that financial blessing that gets you through this life, if you really want to have peace in your soul, to have no more restless nights, peace that no matter what comes against you, you can stand firm on the rock. If you really want to have overcoming victory over every sinful habit, every addiction, if you really want to see people saved, healed, delivered, if you really want to do some awesome things that last for eternity, stop it. Give up. Let it go. Crucify that desire. So we deny our desire. Let's talk about denial. Desire and denial. Denial means to disown, to disassociate, but spiritually it's really about repentance. I desire and therefore I need to deny. I have to repent. I have to crucify it. I have to put it down. That means to disassociate from my self-interest to serve a higher cause, one author says. That really means I have to disassociate from myself. Here's Heath over here, and here's who Heath naturally was, and this is how Heath was born, and this is Heath's personality, his likes and dislikes, what he likes to do, what he doesn't like to do, what he says and doesn't say, and this is his temperament. This is what happens when he gets angry. This is what happens when his, somebody slams his do- hand in the door. This is what happens when somebody t- stabs him in the back. This is what happens when he gets excited. Those, that's Heath. But to truly crucify the desire and the flesh, it's, to deny it, it means to put yourself aside to serve somebody higher than you. You understand? To literally leave. When Jesus says, leave yourself, your life, take up your cross, follow me, it literally means you aren't going to be you anymore. Now, God has put things in you that He wants to keep and His gifts, and we can talk about that another time, but it means that when I have to surrender even who I am, are we willing to do that? tell you the hardest thing God has ever called me to give up is not money, finances, or time, or even my career. It was my personality. My personality. And so desire is, def- or def- des- uh, sorry, desire and denial. Denial is to disassociate. It is to put away my self-interest to serve a higher cause. And one author says it this way, he says, to deny self does not mean to deny things, but it means to give yourself wholly to Christ Share in his shame and death. What a fun message we're having today. <laughs> Come on now. To de- de- deny. This message, when you come to someone, you say, Hey, I want you to share in shame. I want you to share in death. It's not a popular message. It's not something you're going to get a whole lot of, sell a lot of tickets at the fair for. Turning away from the self-centered life in all areas, it requires me to decisively act. You know what? And what most people think and get confused because it's not coming under some religious ro- ro- uh, some religious law. 
that says I'm going to bound my flesh and try to make it come into authority and I'm going to do all these things and put all these things in my life and put all these rules in my life and oh wow, I've got to crucify my flesh and I'm going to beat myself down. I'm going to, you know, priests back in the day they used to whip themselves with, with own rods and different things and beat myself down and put it down. No, there's nothing outwardly you can do here to fix yourself. You can't beat yourself. You can't put yourself. You could put yourself in a padded room for the rest of your life and still be just as sinful as you were before you went in there. We could take every alcoholic beverage off the shelves in Gina. We could take out all kinds of pictures and cut off Facebook, Internet, Hollywood, TV. It would not change our selfish desires for to control the way I think, the way I act, the way I do. And Jesus is saying, I'm going deeper. More than what the law can do, more than what rules or religion can do, I want you to crucify yourself from the inside. Surrender your innermost being to my Holy Spirit. Innermost being. And so when we're talking about crucifying, denying, it means to go down to the depths of your soul. Because where's desire birthed at? In the soul. And so Jesus has got, we've got to allow God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit to go into the depths of our soul and change. And I say, God, here's what my soul is. I disassociate from myself, my desires, all those things that I try to have control over my own life. And I get to this place of repentance and I give my heart over to the full dominion authority of the Holy Spirit of God. I surrender. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus died on the cross, but he had already emptied himself before he even came to earth. That means he humbled himself to become obedient to the will of God that Jesus crucified himself in effect before he ever died on the cross. Jesus crucified himself before he ever died on the cross. See, it wasn't even about the outward act. The outward act is true. Yes, he shed his blood. He died on the cross. But Jesus was willing to die before he ever left heaven. It might have been a Roman soldier that nailed him to that tree and put him up there and whipped him and beat him, but he was willing. He surrendered. He lowered himself. He left heaven. He gave up his rights, his authority. He surrendered and became obedient, the Bible says, to the point of death, even death on a cross. You know what obedience means? In the Hebrew, it means to hear and to walk. To hear and to walk. If I... If I say something to Ari, hopefully when she's older, hopefully she'll obey me, and if I raise her right, right? She quite doesn't understand everything right now. But if I say something and Dad says something, she should hear it, and then she should walk in it, right? And that's what the Heavenly Father says. He's, I've given you my words. Do you hear them? And do you walk in them? And so obedience, Jesus became obedient to the very will of God. He heard God's voice. He saw God's plan, His will. And so He humbled Himself to walk in it. And the way He walked was the way of the cross. You know that Jesus, just to think, that up in heaven, Jesus saw His final destination of the cross. He knew that everything from birth to death, he, this was a journey to get Him to this one place, on this one hill, on this one day, at that one time. He had a purpose to die. And I wonder how many of us think of my life in that way, in that context. Do I think of my life as a following of Him on purpose to die? Am I living on purpose to die? Where am I going? And what is my motivation? When I see that Jesus crucified Himself long before He ever got to the cross. You know, most of us, and myself included, 
My flesh, natural flesh, wants to escape all kinds of suffering and death. I, and why would I even want to do this? And why, why would I ever want to do this thing? Why, why, do you, why, do you, why do you get up in the morning and think, well, I don't want to watch that TV? And what makes you keep going? And what makes you change the way you think and the way you act? And why do you not talk the way you used to? What makes you do that? Is it a fear of hell? Is it a, a love for God? Is it a fitting in with the social crowd? What, what makes you want to do that? Look with me in Philippians 3.7. Philippians 3.7, Paul, a man who had walked so long and close with Christ, crucifying himself daily. What makes us want to deny our natural desires? It's not an easy thing, so there must be some kind of motivation here. In Philippians 3.7, Paul says this, Whatever things were gain to me, that means worth pursuing. That means worth adding to my life. The things that I would, could have gone for, whatever things I could have gone for, whatever things I could have added to my life, whatever things I could have pursued, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of their surpassing value. Everybody say value. Value of knowing Christ Jesus. That's going to be an important word. Hold on to that. Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, I count them rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. I was, I, there's a lot of things in the world I could have gained, but I count them all as garbage. That actually means just trash. I mean, that's garbage with poo in it that stinks. That's what the, the, Greek, the Greek word, it just means the vile trash. And so, Everything that I could have gained in life, the materials, the, the women, the, the men, or whatever, or the money, or the fame, or the glory, other control, and all of those things, my reputation, those things that I could have pursued, they are like a dung heap, so that I might instead gain the surpassing value of knowing Christ. See, He puts higher weight. And so, what is my motivation? Jesus says that He is the sole Savor. My soul desired sinful things. But then I deny my flesh. I deny myself. I put it aside. I disassociate from it. And then I say, God, Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Come deep down in. Give my, I give my soul to you. My whole inside, my whole being, my whole personality. And it's so that I might live forever. And that I might gain Christ. Because what's more important than your soul? What's more important than you for eternity? You think about it, it's kind of, in a sense, it's somewhat of self-preservation. It's a, in some sense, a selfish thing that I have to, I want to live forever. I don't know about you. Anybody else want to die? I want to live forever. But it's all more than that. Paul sees such value in knowing Christ, that his motivation, that, that I look around the world today and I look at the church today and I wonder, do we really come to church and see the surpassing value of just knowing Christ? That when I come to church and I sing those songs, do I th am I thinking about hamburgers at lunch? Or am I thinking about how the temperature is? Or am I thinking about who's raising their hands and who's not? And whether their song is going to the next song or what verse they're on or what the Word says? But am I here in just surpassing awe of just 
knowing the God of the universe who humbled Himself to death, who walked a dirty, vile, dusty road and died for me and suffered pain and violence and agony and it seemed like defeat, but then He rose and He got the victory and He said, come with me, follow me. I'm the soul saver. I give you life abundantly. And it should amaze me. It should wow me that He is more valuable than all things. And is He not the ultimate gain of my life? The ultimate gain. And I wonder, and I I beat myself up sometimes thinking, Heath, you don't get it. You're not, see, there's a part of me, the Holy Spirit is like, just stop thinking so much. Stop trying to be in control and and figuring things out. Just get a bigger picture of Jesus Christ surpassing value how much he is worth my gain and he says what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world whatever was gained to me it's just trash that i might gain christ because what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul Desire, denial, and death. Jesus had already told them in Matthew 10, 38, before this moment, He had told them, He who does not take His cross and follow after Me is not worthy of Me, but He didn't explain it in the context of what He was about to do on the cross. He had only just told them, and they knew what a cross was. And really, let's kind of talk about that. What is a cross? The cross was, you know, we've seen a cross. Many of us have seen the, the motion pictures, and the, the things that are out there, and we've been in church maybe a while to know, or even if not, you know that there is a cross and there are nails. And, but it, it wasn't a punishment for Roman citizens. The cross was for the enemies of Rome. And those who were crucified, it's very important that they were carried, forced to carry their own cross. Each man would have his own cross. He was forced to carry it. And it showed publicly that they were under authority and submissive to Rome for their rebellion against it. So they had rebelled against the authority of Rome, the government. And so they were forced publicly to tell the world as they walked to their death they were, that everyone would see, wow, Rome has really put them in their place. They're now subjected under the authority of Rome. While they rebelled and they thought they could do things their own way, now they've come under the authority of Rome and they're on their way to death And so it is a public spectacle of surrendering to authority on a journey of death. And that's the cross. That's the cross. And what is the sin of our flesh? If it's not rebellion against the authority of God. Doesn't our pride rise up within us and hate to be publicly humiliated? Don't we all hate to be deflated in front of others? Don't we like to make our own decisions and rules? But if we obey. Obedience is defined as that submitting to the will or authority of another. It's to that hear and walk. And so if I obey God, 
I submit to him and to his will. I come under the authority of God and I say, God, I recognize my rebellion against your authority. God, I humble myself and follow you that if you were willing to do that for me and humble yourself and walk that narrow road to the cross and come under the authority of your own Father's will, God, how can I not see that my rejection has caused me to be on my own? And God, I want to be under your authority because that's where I have peace and love and joy and hope and patience. That's where I have fulfillment. That's where I have life and life abundance. So, God, I see my rejection of your ways, of your kingdom, of your law. Lord, of, of just my natural sin has rejected you. And so, Father, I must also come under authority. And may it be a public spectacle. May it humble my pride. May it, may it shame my pride. May it bring my pride low. May it break me. And may I walk with you right in step. You in front of me, God. I got my cross too. I'm walking right behind you, God. That I am walking till death. Following you. To hear and to walk. He became obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. He heard your need. He heard my need. And he walked the way of the cross to meet it. What's taking up your own cross? What does that really mean? I mean, I used to have a song that Teen Challenge used to sing, and I think Ray Bolt sang it. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. What are you really doing for the king? Have you really given everything? Right? We've heard these phrases. Take up your cross. You know, just deny yourself. Take up your cross. What does that really mean? I struggled with that to just kind of put it into words of what it really meant to take up your cross. Matthew 5.30, Jesus would say, if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. I mean, that would be weird, wouldn't it? Just some of the things Jesus says, and you wonder, what in the world is he talking about? He says, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. And spiritually, we've discussed this, but it really means that this, that there are some things in your life that seem so vital, so necessary. I'm a right-handed person. I love to draw and paint. But if this right hand, which is so vital to, to me working and typing and, and doing, if it's so some part of my personality, speaking spiritually, some part of my, my life that seems so vital, that is it not worth giving up a part of my life that seems so vital to my success, to my happiness, to my freedom, to my independence, to my own way, that I would cut it off, that my whole body might escape? It's kind of like an animal. You've seen uh, raccoons, they'll chew off their own legs to get out of a trap, right? Okay? It's like, what's worth it? You're going to die here, and all of you is going to die, or you amputate yourself, and then you go on and you live. You might not live like you used to live, and it might be not as pleasant, it might be harder, but Jesus makes the same parallel spiritually. What is it worth to you to live? And that's the taking up the cross, That it shows that I've submitted to God. He's got authority over me. And so what wouldn't I get rid of? What wouldn't you get rid of today? If it kept you out of an eternity of hell. What wouldn't you get rid of? If it kept you out of eternity of hell. I'm not talking about just movies or internet or music or clothes or money. But Colossians 3 says it's about sinful things that lurk within us. Like sexual immorality. Impurity. Lust, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, just plain meanness, Mm. slander, dirty language, lying, unforgiveness. These are all the things Paul lists about crucifying in ourselves. What does it look like in me? I'll give you my story of 
my journey. Felt like I was led to just share my own personal road of crucifying myself. At first, it was uh, for me giving up the success in pursuit of money. It followed itself by fighting the fear of failure and humiliation that I had had since childhood. Then it was the fear of public speaking. Right? Still sweat sometimes. It was praying and reading my word every day when I didn't feel like it. It became not only limiting my internet use as a college student, but even deleting later things like Facebook apps or uh, news apps on your phone. That would just be not even a bad thing. But if it had something on there that I couldn't look at, then I just deleted that news app. It became even deleting Facebook friends with risque posts or placing boundaries in the movies that I watch, checking every movie that I watch before I ever watch it with language or nudity. Even harder, though, was avoiding negativity and gossip, slander and sarcasm, stopping to listen to negativity when my friends speak. Then it continued with taking off my judgmental glasses and really looking into a mirror in my life to see my own sin more than I ever had before. And today it still continues, learning to put my wife's wants ahead of my own, her needs above my own, struggling to admit my errors, to say I'm sorry and really mean it. That's a good one, isn't it? Shrugging off criticism of other people, disappointing people who disappoint you and not slandering in return, talking about them when they let you down. Not seeking the praises of God more than the praises of men. Not letting the ideas and opinions of men rule the direction that I feel God called me to go. To guard my eyes everywhere I look. And give God my thoughts and my heart. Some temptations over the years I found myself dead to. Pornography that once was a temptation, those things now fade away. But I tell you, it only gets harder. It really does. The things that I once dead to, some things are dead, but now other things, it just continues. Because, see, it's a journey. And I haven't arrived yet. But those things that were gained, you count as lost because there's a surpassing value of just knowing Jesus. And I like what Paul says, uh, continues in Philippians chapter 3. He says, in the psalm, he says, But I have not yet been perfected, but I press on forgetting the past, reaching to what lies ahead to lay hold of that prize that Jesus Christ has given me. You see, when someone says, take up your cross, to pick up an object, take up your cross, it means to begin or commence. It's a journey. And so to take up your cross means to begin the journey of self-sacrifice, of self-denial, of disassociating your passions and your desires from the will and authority of God. And you may not be able to crucify everything yet, and I'm so very thankful that when I first got on fire for God and saved and filled the Holy Spirit, God did not reveal to me everything that He would have me crucify and give up, because I would not have been able to handle it. But see, it's a journey. It's a way to the cross. And the end result is complete death, but along the way, I suffer persecution. Yes, I might suffer pride being taken down, and I have committed myself to death, and it's a journey. 
a journey that God has begun to grow with us, and He'll take say, yes, all right, let's work on this area of your personality. Let's work on giving that up. Let's work on this and that and this and that. And it keeps going. And it's a lifestyle you have to commit yourself to and understand this is for a greater gain. Because if you're just focused on, wow, this is painful to give this up, you're going to get distracted, you're going to get lost, and you're going to think, wow, this isn't worth it. But see, when Paul looked to Jesus, he looked up to heaven and he saw, wow, there's a... I just can't imagine everything else is worthless. Just throw it all away because I'm going to take one step forward and I'm going to get closer to Him. And there's a prize that is waiting for me, the glory of God, that God has a reward for me. And so maybe you can't crucify everything yet. But Jesus said, follow me. Start walking. Begin the journey. And are you willing to begin walking on the way to the cross? There will be difficulty. Matthew 16, 22, verse 23. Look there with me back at Matthew. Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, or adversary. You're a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Peter pulls Jesus aside, says, Lord, don't, don't go to the cross. It's not going to be... No, you can't do that. And he rebukes him. And Jesus says, you're an adversary, a stumbling block to me. Get behind me. And he says, you're not thinking about God's plans, but man's plans. You see, the opposers would say the same thing later on. Peter was appealing to the fallen nature. He was the opinion of the devil. And the opposers said the same thing to Jesus. Save yourself. Save your flesh. Save yourself. Think about it on the way to the cross that people hurled insults and abuse at Jesus. They mocked Him. They said, if you're the Son of God, pull yourself down. And He said He could save others, but He can't save Himself. And so they're saying to Him, every voice, even His closest friends and your closest friends and my closest friends and the crowds out there, as you're on that way to the cross, they're all going to say the same thing. Save yourself. Save your Flesh, that's too hard. You can't do that. That's not God's plan for you. Maybe there's a better, easier way. You're just a little compromised. It's okay. You're only human. See, God has a plan to save our soul. And we cannot allow the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, the pride of life. Because our dying flesh gets powerful when it's in survival mode. Man, you ever get hungry? You'd probably take that first cookie before your wife or your husband. You know, if you're starving, right? You know, that, that, that flesh comes out in survival mode. Everything, everything we think begins to get cloudy when we're weakened in pain, when life gets rough and things get tough and you don't know where the next check is coming from or you don't know how you're ever going to feel any better and you can't make the pain go away, whether physically or emotionally, and everything gets cloudy and you think, wow, I just need a quick fix to satisfy this thing that I'm going through. And in that very moment, Satan exploits that natural need in your life and you have to remember that it's better to starve to death than to survive by sin. It's better to starve to death in my flesh than survive by sin. Maybe it's things that Satan puts shiny things in your life that strikes desire, but yet you take a little bite of it and you realize it didn't taste as good as it looked. Then you find yourself down the road living with shame, regrets. Man, I wish I wouldn't have been with her. I wish I wouldn't have been with him. Man, I wish that would have really worked out. I maybe, maybe I shouldn't have made that decision. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. And then you find yourself repeating the cycle over and over again. And there's only one way in this life to get true fulfillment, true satisfaction, and that's the way 
to the cross. Maybe it's the pride of life, getting drunk or popping pills or having sex outside of marriage or watching vulgar movies that continually to come out today. Maybe telling white lies. Maybe it's not something so big, you think. Or maybe it's that secretly harboring lustful thoughts about another man or another woman and you think, oh, it's not going to hurt anybody. It's just in my head. Maybe it's spending money on material things that you don't really need. But you know what? Living life on your own terms has its consequences. Doing things your own way will have their consequences. And we can't live as we wish and do what we want and say, God, 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 please help me. God, 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 please get me out of this situation because sin has consequences. And the way of the cross is the way to life. The Bible says, and Jesus had said, that our deeds, He would reward us to our deeds. Like Paul, there's that great reward, the surpassing value. And Jesus says that He will come in His glory. You know what glory means? It is the radiance of God's presence. And the Bible says, or the Hebrew says, sorry, in the Hebrew language, glory means a heavy weight. It's as if you had scales, and you put a, a piece of gold versus, you know, a piece of wood. The gold's going to weigh more. And that's what it means. It, it means that glory, when He comes in His glory, it's the heavy, vast value of the radiant presence of God. That glory has value. That's where the Hebrew word of weight and glory come together. It means that God's glory is valuable. God's glory is worthy. It's worth something. And so when Jesus is coming and He says in that very passage, He says, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross and I will come in my glory with my reward for you. I will come with the invaluables of heaven, the treasures of heaven. I will come with the radiant presence of the Shekinah glory of God. And it is the most valuable thing in the world today is the glory of God. It is heavier than any metal. It is worth more than any precious gem. It is worth more than anything. And Paul says that I might attain it. Because if I take up my cross, Jesus says, there for me lies a crown of life, a crown of righteousness. Is it worth attaining today? Worship team, would you come back? Is it worth attaining today? Exchanging your cross for the crown of life. He's coming in His glory. The visible presence of God's radiance. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If, it's a conditional statement. If you're willing to count the cost, if you're willing to sacrifice your own authority and control of your life, if you are willing to deny yourself, if you're willing to walk that road of pride being broken and humiliation, if you're willing to walk the road of shame and death, If you're willing for the glory of God to shine on your life, the value of God to be consuming over you, if you're willing to experience the vast riches of heaven, if you're willing to live life and life abundantly, if you're willing to have true freedom, true deliverance, if you're willing to be truly satisfied, if you're willing, take up your cross, begin the journey, follow God. He was willing to do it for you. He's a good father, and like a good father shows his children how to do things. Here's how to fix the car. Here's how to mow the yard. Here's how to do things. Jesus showed you 
the way for the glory of God, the will and the authority of God. And I just want to say this today, that you can deny yourself or you can live for yourself. You can take up your cross or you can ignore your cross. You can follow Christ or you can follow the world. You can lose your life for His sake or you can save your life for your own sake. You can forsake the world or you can gain the world. You can keep your own soul or you can lose your own soul. You can share in His reward or you can lose His reward. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Does the way you've been going seem to only get you back to where you were? Never getting anywhere? Have you been coasting for too long as a believer, just sitting on a pew, idling by, and really realize, man, I really haven't been trying to sacrifice anything. I'm not doing anything on purpose for Jesus. There's not areas of my personality that I've been on purpose to surrender. I don't really know what the next step is for me to give up a part of my life. Maybe there's elements in your life today He's asking you to crucify. Are you walking that journey on purpose today? Is God's glory so valuable to you that it's worth your any sacrifice? God's glory. How valuable is God's glory? How valuable is it to be surpassing the gain of this world? How much is it to gain Christ? Is it worth cutting off vital parts of our life, our personality, our will, our wants, our needs, just to be with Him, just to know Him, just to be known by Him, just to have the radiance of God's physical, tangible glory shine on you for eternity. Come on, church. There is a tangible presence of God that will shine on you for eternity. Is not giving up TV, television, the way you talk, the way you think, the, what, the movies you watch. Is it not worth it? Not for a sake of religion, not for a sake of a law, but for the sake of having the very Holy Spirit of God rule your heart Rule your mind to walk with Him in a way that is everlasting, life abundantly, a peace that it comes against all things that it doesn't even make sense in this world. But those are the things that make it worth it. Father God, today, Lord, I just pray in this place, God, that if there's anything in my life, God, that I have not been on point, on focus, things that You've been trying to reveal to me, things that I need to give up, God, that I might experience more of Your glory. God, I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm going to heaven. But God, there might be things in my purse. I know the journey that I've been on and I know it's not done yet. I'm not called to stop walking, God. But there is a journey to death and it does not end until I die. Lord, i got a lot more death to do. God, i got a lot more crucifying to do of my flesh. Jesus. Father God, I just pray today, Lord, maybe there's those here today and say, Pastor Heath, I don't know where I'm on spiritually. I'm not going anywhere. I just find my life going back in circles and it's just out of control. I don't have any control. And I, I realize that today, that everything I try to do just falls apart. And I want peace with God today. I want to be saved. I want to know Him. I want to experience the glory of God in my life. I want to surrender control. I want to be saved. Maybe you've never accepted that today or maybe you need to rededicate your life. If that's you, I just want to pray with you today. If you would just... Raise your hand, look at me, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer together. Amen. Anybody else today? Say, that's me. I want to give up control for real today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus. Father God, we just commit our lives to you. 
that's you, you just pray with me in your own way, in your own heart, out of your faith of your heart, commit with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. We repent our, from our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us. And so, Father, though we turn from our ways, we give up control of our lives, and Lord, I confess my sins before you, that I have sinned against you, and only you, God, have I sinned against. And Lord, you are rightful to condemn me, but Father, I plead your mercy, I plead your blood over my life. Lord, I believe in Jesus Christ, that He is the Son of the living God, that He is the first and the last, the Alpha, the Omega, the Word of God, that He came and He lived a perfect life, that He died on the cross for my sins and shed His blood to cover what I had disobeyed. And so, Father God, I believe in Jesus. I surrender my life, that He would be Lord of my life. Save me, cleanse me, wash me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. From this day forward, God, I pick up my cross. I follow you. Perhaps you're also here today, every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, Pastor Heath, and I feel this is where a lot of us are today, myself included, would say, I've really not been going anywhere on purpose. I have not, in the last several weeks or months, been revealed to by God to give up a, pers- a part of my life. Maybe it be something I'm doing. Maybe there's been things that you've been struggling with. Maybe it's the where where your men where our eyes are going, what we're thinking. Ladies, maybe it's things you've been saying about other people. Maybe there's things in there that God is wanting you to give up. He's saying, I'm really ready to start crucifying that part of your personality. Maybe it's your tongue. Maybe it's your mind. Maybe it's thoughts. Maybe it's unforgiveness you've harbored for years. I don't know what it is. There's a million things, and I'm not going to list them all. But you'd say, I need to be walking forward towards death with Jesus Christ. I'm ready to say, God, I'm getting back up on the journey. There are some things I know that you've revealed to me. I want to keep walking. And that is no shame in that. Because right now, your pride is what's going to hold you back from raising your hand. Jesus publicly died, shamefully died for you. And so I'm going to raise my hand. If that's you, I'm not even looking. Lord, here my hands are raised. God, I want to be doing and dying on purpose. God, there are things in my life, Father, I'm not done dying yet. That's you. Would you just raise your hand to God as a sign of faith and confirmation to Him? That's me, Lord. That's me, Lord. Hands all over. Father God, we give our lives to You. Withholding nothing. These guys and gals are about to sing this song, and I want you to give this to worship to God, that I'm not withholding anything. God, I want to walk the way to the cross. Would you just, just, let's just sit for a moment and listen to these guys and we'll stand together and worship on our way out. But would you make this an altar between you and God right now in this place? What is God calling you to give up, to crucify? Jesus. Hallelujah. Give it all away, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Yes, God. Give it all away, God. Withholding nothing. Yes, God. Yes, God. Jesus, give it up, oh God. Oh, take my life, oh God. Take my thoughts, oh God. Take my personality, oh God. Yes. Surrender for the glory of God. Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
Will you just worship God today? Just give it all you have, Lord. Just give it to Him in your own way. Just, just worship God today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Everything I give to you. Mm, holding nothing. Yes, God, take it all, God. Lord, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to follow you, Jesus. Render all to you. Hallelujah. Everything I give. Would you stand with us in worship today? Just give it all to God. Just raise our hands. Give Him surrender to Him. Surrender to Him in this place today. Lord, take us further, God. Take us deeper into death, oh God. Mm, I give you all of me. Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We give you all. We give it all, oh Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord, to you. Let us worship him today. He's worthy. He's valuable. He's worth it all to gain Jesus, to give up everything. Holding nothing. What he's done for us. What he's done for us, oh God. You all of me. I give you all of me. Paul said in Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. What a beautiful thing, the cross of Christ. How valuable, how valuable that you and I might live forever in the tangible, radiant glory of God. It's worth everything that I might gain Him. You agree? I bless you in Jesus' name. We love you so very much tonight.